Thank you so much for joining us today. You have tuned into the sermon portion of Sunday services. If you would like to join us in person, services are held at 130 Delaware in Grand Rapids, Michigan at 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. For more information about New Hope Baptist Church, please visit newhopegr.org. That's newhopegr.org. Because remember, we, we've established Enjoy. the fact that the becoming journey is not a clean and straight line journey. None of us, none of us, when we start in our walk, in our journey of becoming, none of us hit all of the stops in perfect fashion. I don't care who you are, and I don't care how good you look today. It was not a pretty process getting you to that place. And I don't care how, who you are and how ugly you may think it is for you today. Let me tell you that it won't always be that way. That becoming is a journey that's filled with ups and downs and twists and turns. And, and so through this, we know that there are seasons of hardship. We talked about that. We talked about that becoming is not a straight line journey. We talked about that there are seasons where there are people who oppose us. Remember that passage from Nehemiah? We talked about that in the becoming journey. We, we talked about living with the trials in the becoming journey. And so... We've talked about the fact that becoming is not a DIY project. Nobody, nobody is a self-made person. You got to stop listening to some of this empty jargon about I'm a self-made man. There is no such thing. Don't believe that whole bootstraps narrative. People claiming that they pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. That's not even physically possible. Nobody can pull their entire selves up from your own bootstraps. To pull yourself up, you've got to have something, a hard anchor point to, for leverage to pull yourself up. And so, no, you can't pull your own self up, nor can you then create yourself and make yourself. God does that. What, what is it about becoming that has stuck with you, that has stayed with you, that continues to feed your soul and minister to you, I'm sure that that would be a blessing to others in the comment section. And also then, if you desire to go back and review, all of these sermons are still on our Facebook page. And we will continue to continue to archive all of our sermons and all of our worship experiences. And so please, I would hope that you don't let the Becoming series end on today. But allow it to continue to minister to you because I promise you in the eight or nine sermons in this series, somewhere on your journey for the rest of your life, you will need some of this. Maybe you don't need all of it at one time, but it will continue to speak to us. And so I will conclude it this last way. In this last, I'm going to use this passage, a very familiar passage. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah in the 29th chapter. Jeremiah 29, beginning with verse number 10. In this passage, it's a familiar passage, speaks and ministers in so many different ways, but Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope 
and a future. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I want to use these verses this morning. I want to talk this from this subject. It's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. When, when we are on this becoming journey, we cannot help but notice that there are seasons and episodes on the journey that don't seem to quite add up. In fact, I would say this, that in the becoming journey, it is far from logical. It would make sense then that, you know, we think that becoming is about moving around the bases of the baseball diamond, first base, then second base, third base, and home. And once we reach home, it is celebration. But becoming is not that simple. There are times where it seems like I can make it to first base, and then on my way to second base, I get reverted and reversed and returned back to first. I can get all the way around the third base and still feel like I'm on first base, that becoming is like that. I told you, it's just not pretty. I know that somebody can identify with that. I'm sure you can remember some of the ugly seasons of your journey. Maybe you are in an ugly season now. Maybe somebody is experiencing loss and grief on your journey or you're experiencing hardship and it was not of your own doing it was somebody else who who made a decision about your life somebody else has taken from you and you wrestle and struggle with that becoming is not logical becoming is not pretty it's not easy there are times when life literally makes no sense at times, when things happen in our lives where we've dotted every I and crossed every T, done everything right, and still the bottom falls out. Life doesn't make sense. There are times when we struggle, and you've been there before. Come on, don't, don't act so holy and self-righteous and all of that, that, that to act as if that every day of your life has been like Sunday school and Sunday morning worship. When we know that's just not the truth. It's sometimes in life it just we don't look so Christian it doesn't feel so wholesome it doesn't it doesn't feel like grace and hallelujah but it feels more like something something out of a horror movie that's what becoming is like but here in the text Jeremiah writes to a nation writes on writing and speaking on behalf of God to a nation in exile they are in captivity they've been held captive. They've been taken out of their beloved Jerusalem and they've now held captive by King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon and it's a part of their judgment. But nonetheless, God's chosen people, people who are promised a land that flows with milk and honey, they were representative of God's grace in the world. God's chosen people have now been taken into captivity and it looks like, how is it? That we who are chosen people find ourselves enslaved to a heathen nation. This makes no sense. But God tells the people very clearly and directly through the prophet Jeremiah. He tells them now that I know the plans that I have for you. That God is speaking and so in the words of God we see something about ourselves. I wouldn't say that we are in exile and we are held captive by a heathen nation but I believe that there's a measure of captivity in our lives that you can be held captive to your hardship you can be held captive by your negative thinking you can be held captive by the lies of somebody want somebody else the deceit of others you can 
you can find yourself falling on hard times. You can be in these positions and seasons and it feels and looks like there is no hope and God is not present and God is not active and God does not care. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, hold on because it's not what it looks like. That God is indeed at work and when we go in this becoming journey, this is a word for all of us when we find ourselves in those places that don't seem logical. When we find ourselves in those positions and they don't seem like they should be what they are. When we find ourselves disappointed. When we find ourselves in heartache and hardship and pain and struggle and strife. Still, I tell you, hold on because it's not what it looks like. I tell you, it won't always be this way. First point that I would tell us here as we walk through this and bring the becoming series to a close is this. You got to remember there are seasons on the journey. Think about that. That I told you becoming is not straight line. Becoming is not a homogenous experience. Becoming is not level. Becoming is not pristine, sterile, and pretty, but rather Becoming is jagged. It is up and down, topsy-turvy. There are seasons of success, and there are also seasons of failure. Becoming has its seasons of hardship, and there are periods on the becoming journey where success seems to elude us, and we cannot change the circumstances we cannot change the narrative. We feel stuck in a season of despair and disappointment, stuck in seasons where people don't seem to care for us or about us, stuck in places where it seems like God has forgotten about us and change will not come our way, that becoming is like that. But I tell you, there are seasons. What I mean by seasons is that there are parameters as difficult as it is, it may feel and seem and look like that God will not make this any better than what it is. And it's in verse 10. God says 70 years. It would be 70 years they would dwell in Babylon in exile. But the point is that God has an end in sight. No matter what your situation is, God has an end to it. No matter how dark the season is, how heavy the load is or how frustrating the time is no matter how long you feel like you're spinning your wheels God has an end in mind God has a set limit on our seasons of trial and hardship and I'm not here to argue why you're in hardship that's not this sermon this sermon is not about why you find yourself going through what you're going through I know that the logical person in you, that rational part of your mind, has to have a perfect explanation and reason as to why life is what it is right now. But I don't have those answers, but know this, that God does. And not only does God have the answers, but, but God also knows how long you need to be there. And in his sovereign will, God knows why you're there. And so we serve ourselves best when we accept what God allows and make ourselves open to what God wants to do rather than pushing back on God and charging God foolishly saying, God, you're doing me wrong and God, this is not fair and God, how could you do this and God, I don't like this. Now be truthful and honest. Yeah, you can tell him, Lord, I don't like it. 
But also you got to balance it with, Lord, even though I don't like it, I'm going to trust you as I go through it. God has a set limit to the duration of trouble. And so just know this, that trouble doesn't last always. That sure, we're going to have some tears along the journey, but know this, that God is an eternal God. We just got through singing and declaring that Jesus is the center of our joy. And so you can have joy even when it's dark. You can have joy when it rains. You can have joy when there's pain. You can have joy when there's loss. And why? Because my joy is not tied to my circumstances, but my joy is tied to a God who is eternal, who is strong, who is mighty, who is wise, who is faithful, and will always take care of me. God promises now to draw near to us. And he makes good on his promise. He tells them here, 70 years, you'll be there. I hope that's good news for somebody. I'm not, to tell, I'm not telling you here. I'm not, going to, I'm not one of those guys that wants to be the prophet and tell you that in 23 days, your life is going to be changed forever. I, I never hear prophets, you know, I, I don't hear the prophets say in 21 days, you're going to die. How come we don't hear those types of prophecies? All the prophecies that are sensationalized and marketed prophecies that are some kind of way at the end, they have some manifestation of materialistic gain. A supernatural outpouring of money will come your way. You just hold on in 17 days. But what if God might be thinking something differently all I'm saying is that God allows us to go through seasons that is a scriptural concept the wisest man in all the scriptures Solomon says in Ecclesiastes to everything there is a season a season to be born and a season to die a season to laugh and a season to mourn there there are seasons and so maybe you just need to remind yourself you find yourself in a hard place. You got to keep telling yourself, but it's just a season. It's just a season. In fact, this might be your season for hardship, but all of these seasons are indeed productive. Second thing is then is God has total disclosure. Total disclosure. Look here. Verse number 11. Verse 11. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Now, you got to know a little bit of something, what's happening contextually here. That this I know is big. God says, I know. But what he's saying is that there are other people who profess to know something. But God says, I alone know. That God is telling you. There are all kind of advisors out there who want to speak about your circumstance. They want to speak into your life. There are people who claim to be experts about your life. There are people who, God, you know, we all know them. How do you know that one person who always got something to say about your life? We all know that one person. They know everything but their own life. They tell you when you should leave your job. They tell you when you should leave your spouse. They tell you, you know what you need to do, what you ought to do. You know what you need to do? I was thinking about you the other day. I think what you should do. Some people go out of their way to tell you what you should do in your life. 
in the midst of all of the chaos and confusion in their lives. Sometimes I just want to say, why, why don't you do that in your life? You telling me I need to get me another job, but why don't you get a job? Or you telling me that I need to leave this and do that, but I don't see any of this happening or working in your own life. But God says, I know the plans that I have for you. I alone, and he's, Jeremiah is speaking against the false prophets of this time because there were other people who claimed to know what was best for Israel. There were people who claimed to know what was best for the nation. There were people who felt like they knew what was happening in the times. But God is saying that I know alone, I alone know what is best for you. It is a fundamental truth about God that God has total vision and clarity about our lives, that God knows what he's doing and the reason why is because it belongs to God. It is God's plan. Don't miss that. God says, I alone know the plans that I have for you. Think about it. You can build your life according to your plan all you want, but there is a master plan. And that master plan is God's plan. And it doesn't matter how much you plan and how much energy you expend in building your own plan, it will always be subservient to the plan and will of God. That God knows everything. And not only does God know everything, God knows everybody's plan and he gets nobody's plans mixed up. God knows Earl's plan. Because God knows the plan that he has for Earl. And so I serve myself best by finding out and discovering what God's plan is for my life rather than trying to make my plan match somebody else's plan. So we got to be careful when we play the comparison game and looking at somebody else and thinking now that, that some kind of way they got it better than me and I'm doing it wrong because I don't have what they have or because they are further along than I am, maybe I missed something along the way, but they might be operating according to a different plan than you. And just because they look like they are ahead of you does not mean that they are in God's will and plan either. So then we just need to make sure that we keep our eyes focused and fixed on Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm preaching. That's what the word says that I will surrender unto God because God knows what is the plan for my life. I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not into my own understanding but in all of my ways I will acknowledge him who will direct my paths. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. You want to know the plan for your life? Can consult the word of God. Consult the will of God. Get to know God but if you don't know God you won't know yourself. If you don't know God and his word you won't know where you need to go. You You'll always be living life by trial and error, and nobody can afford to live life that way. God wants us now to walk according to his plan, and he gives us assurance now. He's speaking to a nation that is in exile, that is in captivity, and God is saying it's all going according to plan. He tells them, I, I have a plan for you. I know the plan that I have for you, and he says, and my plan is not to harm you. Now he's saying this now. It, it sounds like this is this is contradictory. God, your plan is not to harm me, but I'm hurting right now. 
God, your plan is not to harm me, but it hurts being me right now. Your plan is not to harm me, but I'm laid off. Your plan is not to harm me, but I can't get a job. Your plan is not to harm me, but I'm sick. And I'm doing everything the doctors tell me to do, but there's no relief in sight. God, I'm, I'm following what seems to be your plan, but there seems to be no advancement. God still tells us now, out of his omniscience, God knows some stuff that we don't know. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. It is the best metaphor I can give for you is this whole matter of uh, God knows what's behind the scenes. You know, when we watch, when we're watching film and watching plays, we can only see it from one perspective. We can only view it one scene at a time, and we can only see what's in front of us. But there's a whole lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes, on the backside. There's people back there pulling ropes and making stuff get into place. There are people moving props in positions. There are people who are writing out scripts and people who are doing costuming, people who are doing lighting and people that are doing camera angles, people that are doing music scores and people that are doing all that. You don't get to see what's on the edit floor and what's on the cut floor. You don't get to see all the starts and the stops and the takes and the action and the cuts and you don't get to see all of that all you see is how it plays out in front of you but God is behind the scenes orchestrating and putting this in place and putting that in place and so here you are in a storm but God knows how big the cloud needs to be you in a storm and God knows when the sun needs to come out again you in a storm but God knows how long you need to stay there God's got a backstage pass God God's got a behind-the-scenes perspective, and God knows who to put in place and where to place them. God knows how long they need to be there. God knows how long you need to be delayed, how long your resume needs to sit, how long the phone needs to not ring. God knows how long he wants you to stay in that place. You can fill out as many applications as you want. Do all the online searches that you want, but God knows how to hold that thing up in cyberspace. Keep it tied up. All of that because he's got a plan for you and his plan is not to harm you, but his plan is to prosper you. But the prospering sometimes hurts and the waiting hurts and the confusion hurts, but it does not mean that God is not at work because God is always working while you're sleeping God is working when the phone won't ring God is working when they tell you no thank you God is still at work when the door closes for you God is still at work in fact God they may close the door but God knows how to open up a window and do I have any window blessing folk in here folk who could not walk walk through the door but you had to climb through the window you had to come through the back door you had to come through the side door because God was at work behind the scenes but listen God has total disclosure and on your becoming journey don't you ever forget this fact that no matter no matter what happens in front of you there is a God behind the scenes looking at stuff that you don't see. A job that you think is perfect for you. They gave it to somebody else. And you come to realize a few weeks later that company folded up. Or the person who got that job, they are miserable. Or God kept you somewhere and you just knew that this was a dead end place. And here you are getting promoted. Every week they want to step you up. You, you run in that place. God is using you in ways you never 
imagine. Why? Because he's got total disclosure. God has this full view, panoramic view of your life. And so his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts because God thinks about our lives with more information than we'll ever know. What we must do is trust him. Here's the last thing. Last thing is, yes, God has a special plan. It's a, it's a unique plan. He tells, he tells him, he says, he says, I know the plan, I alone. I haven't shared it with anybody else. So, just go ahead and tell the prophet that when he comes up to you. God told me that you, and just tell him, stop right there. The Lord will tell me in due time. With all due respect, I appreciate what you have to say, but I'm going to trust God. I thank you. I'm not even calling you false. I'm trusting God. But know this, that God has a special plan. Because you see, the course of our lives, they are God's plans. And what Israel failed to realize is that God allows captivity. God felt that it was necessary for them to get to the next season of reality with him that God would allow his own people to be enslaved by a heathen nation. God allowed that, and it was still according to plan. Again, what's the title of this sermon? It's not what it looks like. That they are in captivity. Jerusalem has been burned and destroyed. The walls have been torn down. The best and the brightest have been taken away. They have, been, they have lost their religion. They've lost their land. They've lost their high priest. They've lost all of that, and still it is according to God's plan. Think about that, that maybe the bottom has fallen out of your life, and things are not coming through. Things are not coming together, but according to God's plan, it's all according to plan course of my life, it follows what God's plan is for my life, and my journey, therefore, is not random, but it is methodical. That it's not what it looks like, that it looks like captivity, but underneath it, God is at work, and God is using captivity for a greater good. God uses your hardship for a greater good. Paul tells us that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. So whatever it is that you're going through, just know this, that God is allowing it for your good. It may not feel good. It may not look good. It may not smell good. But God is saying that it is still is for your good. And it is for your good because there's some other stuff that I'm doing that you have not seen yet. There's some other stuff that I'm working on that you don't know about. And it's not time yet, so you got to stay here a little while longer because God has a master plan. Though we are broken, God is still blessing. Though I am hurting, God is still at work. Though it isn't happening the way I want it to, God is still on his way. Just think about that there at Mount Moriah. When Abraham is about to kill Isaac, the ram on the bush is still on his way. That it doesn't look like God is going to come through, but the ram is there. Somebody right now, you ready to pull the plug? You ready to walk out? You ready to eject? You ready to fly? You ready to walk? You ready to run? 
run. You're ready to quit. You're ready to stop. But God is on his way. God is already working and doing it because God has a plan. And he tells Israel, my plan is to prosper you. My plan is to give you a hope and a future. I tell you that there's something in this word hope and future. God's saying that my plan is to give you earnest expectation. That means then that as dark as it is, I can still be looking for God to come through. It's like that child who believes what his daddy says. No matter how long they got to stay at Big Mama's house, you ain't going to make them go to sleep if daddy said, I'm coming to get you. I don't care how long we all been there before. You had to go over grandmama's house. You had to go over somebody's house. And they trying to get the bed ready. And you're like, no, daddy said he coming to get me. God is saying that it may not come when you want me to come. I may not show up when you think I ought to show up. I may not come in the way that you think I ought to come. But just know this, that I will get there. And so God tells him here that I have a plan that will give you hope and a future. Can I mess with you a little bit? That on this word hope, we're talking about a messianic hope. But you see, in captivity, they lost their temple, they lost their religion, they lost their high priest, and they had no king. They had no hope. But there was messianic hope that God had told them that a Messiah would come. And in the fullness of time, what the scripture says, that Jesus Christ comes to the world. And when Jesus comes, he comes as their high priest, he comes as their conquering king, and he comes as their deliverer. That he comes, and he comes again them hope but not only does he give them hope but he gives them a future as well that is then that an experience beyond the here and now that Jesus gives them a future God says my plan is bigger than captivity my plan is bigger than your chains my plan is bigger than your hardship God's telling you right now my plan is bigger than this unemployment my plan is bigger than this sickness my plan is bigger than this thing that hurts you but I I got a future in mind for you and I'm telling you that your future looks good why because Jesus has already come he's already paid the price and therefore I'm bigger than my hardship right now I just got to go through it but a day will come where God will bring me out I don't know when it will happen I don't know how it's gonna happen but I know that it's already done come on and celebrate this thing with me come on and close this series with me that you know that it was nobody but God that got you out of your situation. And guess what? If he did it then, how many of you know that he will do it again? How many of you know that God will come through? That God will make a way out of no way? That God will give you what you need when you need it most? That God says, I will give you a hope and a future. I don't know what my future looks like, but I know it looks good. I don't know what my future will be, but I know this ain't it. I know that today is not my tomorrow. I know that God is going to do something greater than what you see right now. And so I'm going to watch him work. I'm going to let him work. I'm going to watch him move in my life. I'm going to watch him open the doors in my life. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk with him because I believe and I trust God because he is a way maker. Do you know that? He is a healer. Do you know that? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. It, 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 there, there's more to it than what you see right now. 
best I can say it is you're becoming. It's a process. God is at work. And so you got to trust the process. His plan, though it hurts right now, never was to harm you. His plan was always for your benefit. His plan, as bad as it looks right now, right now is not the end game. God's always looking down the road for us. So we just have to trust him while we're in this. Remember when we talked about becoming, James said we got to count it all joy. We go through trials of many kinds, knowing this, that the trying of our faith works patience. But you got to let patience have its perfect work. I'm telling you, becoming is process-oriented. It's not what it looks like. You can join us every Wednesday right here on your favorite podcast platform. If you would like to join New Hope Baptist Church in giving, please visit newhopegr.org forward slash giving. That's newhopegr.org forward slash giving. Thank you for tuning in.